Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. And use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, time for this edition of Holding Court, everyone. I don't like it. I get it, but I don't like it. That's the comment. That's the line that I put up on Instagram that many of you have been hounding is too strong a word, but wondering what I thought about Novak Djokovic withdrawing from the bronze medal match in mixed doubles. Uh, at the Olympic Games, sort of my reaction to that. So my reaction to that is very similar to the reaction I had when none other than Roger Federer pulled out of the French Open. Now, the situations are a little bit different. Um, The scenario is a bit different. But I will repeat what I said about Roger because it applies to my feelings about Novak Djokovic. I get it but I still don't like it. So what do I get? Well, I get why Djokovic pulled out of the bronze medal match. He obviously has played a tremendous amount of tennis over the course of the, this, this 2021 season, winning three majors, as we know. Looking at trying to win the slam, the calendar grand slam, all four majors in one year, he's obviously got the chance to do that in a little over a month at the U.S. Open. He was going for the Golden Slam, which of course has only been done by the one and only Steffi Graf back in 1988. When he won the Wimbledon final and he went to speak to the press, I was there, I was, I was there, I wasn't in the room, but watching virtually as we did all the interviews at Wimbledon virtually. Um, and I saw his press conference, I thought, he's not going to the Olympics. He's fried mentally. Uh, He needs a break. I mean, Wimbledon physically, if you just look at his matches, was not that difficult for him, but you can't put into the amount of games, the amount of sets, into just the overall pressure that he was dealing with, you know, just to win a major. And to do it after an incredibly taxing mental and physical test to win the French Open. And remember, because of COVID this year, there was just a two-week layoff. So he was able to get a little bit of time off in between winning Roland Garros, beating, of course, Nadal in that incredible semifinal, then coming from two sets down in the championship match to beat Tsitsipas, to then get to Wimbledon. Essentially, as I said many times throughout our broadcast with ESPN, kind of keeping it in third, maybe fourth gear at times, and he still won the title, not threatened really at all. I mean, lost the opening set in that final against Matteo Berrettini, but once he sprinted out to that four-love lead in the second set, you're thinking, okay, this is, this is going to be a four-set or maybe five. It turned out to be relatively close, but it never felt like he was going to lose. Okay, so then... 
again, initially he was going to the Olympics. Then he said, well, I'm not sure I'm going to go because, you know, the protocols are difficult as far as no fans, uh, being in the proverbial bubble, which you sort of are when you go to the Olympics anyway. But uh, I thought he wasn't going to play. And then he decides to go, to go and play, which I thought was, was, was pretty impressive in and of itself that he went. Now, if you were paying attention to uh, Instagram and social media over the course of the tournament and even before the tournament, you know, Novak Djokovic goes there and he's a superstar. Uh, like if Serena Williams went or like when the Dream Team went in basketball. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming for a Michael Phelps, you know, when he went back to the Olympics. They're, they're like global superstars, these athletes. Now remember, the majority of the athletes at the Olympic Games are people that you've never heard of and, you know, people that are playing obscure sports. We see this, the, the great swimmers on TV, the, the gymnasts and so on and so forth. But for the most part, you know, most of the athletes are in very important sports to them and dedicating their whole lives, but they're not well-known, is my point. So Djokovic was taking just selfies and pictures and, and all that stuff takes a lot of, lot of uh, patience, a lot of energy to be sort of an ambassador for yourself, for your sport. And, and here's, I think, the, the key in the Novak Djokovic story, for the country, because he is far and away the biggest athlete in his country's history, okay? And his country's got a lot of history as if what we know about um, with wars and with, with tragedies and difficulties. And maybe I've said this before in my podcast, but I've said it to many people. When I went to Serbia as a Davis Cup captain, the amount of pressure that I could see that he was under from his own country and his own fans, this was way back in... 2000, what was it, 2007 or 8? This is what he'd won a major, but he was still solidly three in the world. And remember, he was having all those problems with his serve at that point. And, but the amount of pressure that was being put on him, to, you know, you better not lose to, the, to the, the evil American type of vibe. And he didn't. He beat you know, our two players. It was Query and Isner. Actually played pretty well against him, indoor clay. But you know, didn't have a chance to beat him. But uh, he was struggling with a serve at that point. So anyway, the point of me bringing this up is to highlight what this man means to his country. So I believe at the end of the day, that's why he went to the Olympic Games, to represent his country, to try to obviously win the gold medal. He's never, he never won a medal. I remember he lost in the bronze medal match at Wim- when it was at Wimbledon uh, the year that Murray won it. Well, the first year Murray won it on the grass. And he lost to Murray uh, in the semifinal. And then, in a, and then uh, Del Potro beat him in just an epic three-set match for the bronze. So, you know, here's a guy who's won now 20 majors. And he's never won a medal in the Olympics. This is what's so bizarre about the whole thing. It's kind of bizarre overall about the Olympics in general. When you look at some of the players, you know, Nicholas Massou, Mark Rosé, that have won gold on the men's side. Um, obviously Murray had won the last two, so he was you know more of a legit top top player. So Djokovic goes and has a meltdown in the semifinal. Well, doesn't have a meltdown; just gets beat. You know, he's up a set and a break against Zverev. He completely cruised through the draw to get to the semis. He destroyed Nishikori, lost just two games, playing great. 
plays Zverev, who always, not always, but, you know, has beaten him before and plays him tough. And setting a break to Novak in control. And then it turns. Turns around, you know, brutally hot conditions. I've said this about, you know, to friends of mine about the U.S. Open, that I don't think Djokovic is going to win it because of the brutal heat that can happen, the wind that can happen, the variables uh, playing during the day, during at night. Uh, I know we have that in Australia too, but Australia is more predictable. The ball doesn't bounce as high as it does in New York. The balls are lighter. So similar to uh, the Tokyo Olympics, I think the conditions, but maybe even more extreme because it was even it was so hot. It's two out of three. Ball courts were playing fast, like real fast. So Zverev was able to serve big, and you know no hiccups on the serve. So he beats Djokovic. Comes back, wins it 6-3, 6-1 in the final set. Djokovic sort of went away. Uh, not that, to me, that wasn't shocking. Because, I mean, he's got to lose at some point. And it's not like, you know, when you look at his results in, in hard, big hardcore, of course he's the best hardcore player. But there are players that can beat him on hardcore. Zverev sits a pass if he's on, you know, team if he's on. I mean, these are all players that have played him very, very close. Medvedev, obviously, not at the Australian Open final, but at other times. So I wasn't shocked. I was shocked also that he decided to play mixed doubles. And I said on one of my prior podcasts about the Olympics that I think the most exciting thing to me about the Olympic Games in tennis are the doubles events because you see these all-time greats, um, Playing doubles, you know, in top, just not even all-time great, just top singles players of the day, playing in doubles, playing in mixed doubles, which they would never do in a major, which tells you a little bit about the opportunity to win a medal, okay, to win an Olympic medal only every four years. In this case, you know, it was a fifth year. It'll happen again in three years, you know, God willing. Um, so I was a little, sub, sub, I guess I wasn't that surprised, but to me that was ex- exciting. Like, I'd rather watch Djokovic play mixed, um, then uh, play singles just because it's so rare to see it happen. Of course, I'm going to watch him in a you know, big tournament in a major. But uh, I found that interesting. He takes uh, a woman named Nina Stoyanovich, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know her well at all. Um, so they get to the semifinals, and they lose in the semifinals. Uh, so then they've got to go into the bronze medal match. Uh, and now Djokovic has got to play for two bronzes after having lost in singles and in mixed the following day. So he's got to play Karenia Busta, a guy who obviously he owns um, generally, but Karenia Busta, as we know, is a very tough player, solid player, a guy that if Djokovic is a little off, you know, it's going to be a going to be a road war. It's going to be a road war anyway, but Djokovic eventually would, would wear the guy down and um, pound him into the ground. So he was clearly on edge when he came out for that match. The racket throw into the crowd, you know, throwing the racket against the, um, you know, against the net. I mean, I'm not shocked by any of that. This is Novak Djokovic who's, you know, that's part of his Part of his M.O. is that he, he, he gets fired up. And uh, for the most part in his career, it served him well. Uh, it obviously didn't serve him well at last year's U.S. Open when he hit the ball and hit the lines person. And that's my dog if you hear him barking. Yeah, that probably means a male person is coming to deliver something. So my dog is a little Yorkie. His name is Pepper. 
and uh, absolutely freaks out whenever anyone comes, like from you know Amazon, which of course has been happening a lot more in the pandemic, but UPS and just a regular mailman who's a regular guy who comes to our town. So the poor guys, like I mean, if I, he's inside right now, your dog, you can hear him barking. So that probably means that he just dropped the mail off, you know, through the little slot. So if something, maybe dog experts can help me understand why he goes absolutely batshit crazy. I think it's because when they put something inside the house that he sees that as threatening to the, to the household. So he knows that the person's going to put like a package or the mail. Because if I bring it in, he like attacks the mail. Like you try to grab it out of my hand. So absolutely wild. So hopefully it sounds like he's calming down. Um, I hear a car starting. So maybe that's like a delivery and they're leaving now. Yeah. So he's chilled out now, but he, the guy, the guy or the girl, sometimes it's a woman from, from the delivery service sometimes just puts it by the front door. Sometimes if the door is sort of open on the, you know, the main door is open and it's just a screen door, they might just drop it inside. So you dog experts, please let me know what the hell this is about. I guess he's just protecting his household. This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, their vision. All of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better, they relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. Check them out at RiaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. Use the code Patrick to get $20 off your first pair. I promise you will love these sunglasses. This episode of Holding Court is being brought to you by True. That's T-R-U, the lifestyle beverage. Absolutely amazing. Go to drinktrue.com to learn more. I suggest you try out the True Sampler, 30% off, with the code PATRICK. Anyway, back to Djokovic in the bronze match, blowing up mentally. Um, again, uh, not shocked. I mean, for Novak Djokovic, you know, he's going to go down as the greatest player ever, I believe, now. Uh, we'll see what Nadal's got. Uh, he's going to play in Washington, D.C. this week. I'm going to be there, actually, for the weekend, do some on-court interviews and hosting, which will be fun. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to see how, hopefully, Rafa will still be there for the weekend. Well, there's certainly the tournament's hoping that because I think they've sold out, like, every session. So that's the power of the, the, uh, the superstar which is the good and the bad in tennis, okay? And that, that's a whole nother podcast. But Rafa's there, and so the whole tournament has, like, taken on a whole new life. It's always a solid tournament. We're really good to the City Open, it's called, in Washington, D.C. So Mark Ein, our, our buddy who uh, was on the USDA board, and now he ran the uh, team, had the team tennis team, the Washington Castles. He took over this tournament. So they're doing a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about going down there. So anyway, we'll see how Nadal looks, and I think Rafa will be very tough to beat. 
in New York at the Open. That being said, um, if you're going to sign up for the mixed doubles, Novak, okay, let's get to the heart of the matter. And you're going to play, and you're in a position to win a medal. I know you're fried. I know you're exhausted. I know you've got multiple, probably, uh, am I going to call them injury? He called them injuries. I'm going to call Yahtzee on that. He's just, he's beat up. He's physically beat up, okay? But if you're telling me that you can't go out there and play two more sets or three sets of mixed doubles, if you've, you've put it, you've been there, you've, you've gone, you've done, you've entered, you know, it's like Federer, you entered the French Open, finished the freaking tournament, okay? Finish it. Go out and lose to Berrettini 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. You can protect your body. Djokovic, you know your body better than maybe anyone I have ever seen play the sport at this level. You talk about someone that knows how to manage themselves, whether it's the team championship match in Australia last year, whether it's what happened this year with Taylor Fritz and then Raonic and then going his way through the tournament, like it's 50%, then it's 72%. This guy is a master, okay, at knowing how to play when he's got some issues going on, whatever they may be. If you go out there, I mean, you're still going to be a national hero in your country, and you should be. Okay, let me make that clear. You should be. So is Roger Federer, one of the greatest, the, certainly the, one of the greatest players, if not the, but, you know, we're going to lean towards Djokovic at this point. The greatest ambassador what tennis has ever had, the classiest, all that stuff we know, it's all true. Djokovic, the most amazing competitor, the most resilient, and then just flat out the best. When you look at his results, you know, through his career, and we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. Go out there and play the match. Play the match. He said it was a left shoulder injury. Okay, left. It's not even the right shoulder. It's the left shoulder, which he's had issues with before. He's had a whole bunch of issues. Of course he's had issues. The guy's an animal in a good way when what he deals with and what he's gone through. So... You got to go out there, and even if you go out and you lose two and two because you just, you just got nothing. I know it's brutally hot. We know all that stuff. That's why I say I get it. I totally get it, but I still don't like it. You got to go out there. You've come this far. The chances of him playing a tournament before the U.S. Open are slim anyway. You think playing one more mixed doubles match is going to like hurt him so that he can't play the open? I don't think so. I don't believe I don't think so. He wants to tell me I'm wrong? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll listen to that, but I don't buy it. I think he could go out there and manage it and still maybe actually win the match. Maybe not. But I think feel feel better about Doing it for yourself, for your country, of course, for your partner. I mean, what a dream come true for this young lady to play with Djokovic, just to play with him. And I'm sure he's a great partner. And again, we, we, that's why I prefaced all this with the stuff that he had to go through to just get there, to leave his family again, to then think about in the back of his mind, he's going for the slam, uh, He's got to come to New York. You know, he's got to travel then to Tokyo. Then he's going to come back home. Then he's got to get back to New York. Does he play? 
Cincinnati or Canada, Canada or Cincy. I doubt it. So I was disappointed that he didn't show up and play, as many people were. I don't think it's worth bashing him because I don't, I don't, I, I mean, if I did, I would. I bashed him when he hit the ball kid. I mean, the lines person with the ball, he deserved to be thrown out, period, end of story. You got to be in control of what you do with the ball and your racket. That's just the bottom line. I, I, I killed Roger. I maybe didn't kill him, but you know the Federer fans thought I did by criticizing him for pulling out at the French. I still think he should have played. So that's what I think Novak Djokovic should have done. Should have gone out there, played the match. Even if you lose two and two, you finish the job. And he didn't quite finish the job. I mean, got to be hugely disappointing, obviously, to not get a medal for him, for anybody that was in the, you know, that's in this position. Weird, right? The Olympics. How just, it's kind of a different kind of pressure. I mean, Nicholas Masu, I was there at the Olympics in Athens in 04. How the hell that guy won that tournament, I'll, ne- I'll never know. I mean, Marty Fish was way better player, certainly on that service, which was also very fast there. And it was best of five in the final, went to five. And Masu beat um, Taylor Dent, I believe, who was a little surprised to get that far. He got to the, actually played a great bronze medal match, I believe lost to Gonzo Gonzalez. So Gonzalez and Masu win the doubles gold. I mean, I mean, I mean you can't make that up. That that guy, Nicholas Masu, when he was in the, obviously now been the coach for team, was a really good clay court player. Really good. But he was not a good hardcore player in his career, you know, at the tour level. And he wins the Olympics. Rosé, good clay court player, won the Olympics. And I think that was Barcelona. Agassi won it, of course, the first time back for, the, for tennis. And I think it was 88. Or was it 92? I think it was 88. And he still talks about that was one of his proudest things. I saw Marty Fish put a picture of a silver medal up there. He said he still has regrets, but he got the silver. Okay. He could have won the gold, but I was a coach, so blame it on me. Bencic wins a gold. Andrusova, Vandrusova, Vandrusova. <laughs> we'll have meetings at ESPN about how to pronounce that. Barquetta. She's, uh, she's going to win some majors. Uh, she had Bencic on the ropes, and Bencic won that on guile, experience, smart. So she wins a gold for Switzerland, got a silver in doubles. Uh, the Croatian men, how about them, with the gold and the silver in men's doubles. Michael Venus gets a um, bronze from New Zealand, so that's a huge deal for them. But Karenia Busa, he said this was the biggest win of his life. That's what he said. And he didn't win the tournament. He got the bronze. So for a lot of these players, as I mentioned on one of my tweets during the week, this this Olympic medal deal is the biggest thing they'll ever do. And that makes me feel better about the Olympics. I still feel like a more of a team-oriented event would be better based, again, on on the importance of the doubles and the mixed doubles. I don't think the ITF is going to go there because they want to still have the superstars play, which didn't happen as much as it normally does this year, partly because of COVID, mostly because of COVID. Um, so we'll see when the next Olympic Games happen, which Djokovic said he'll, he wants to play in three years in, in Paris. But 
he'll be 37 or 8 at the time. So, I mean, I still think he's going to be right there near the top. Of course, which I didn't think 10 years ago. A lot of people like to remind me that what will Djokovic and Nadal be ranked at 34 or 35? It was one of my famous tweets that keeps getting resurrected by my fans or my anti-fans. But that's okay. It's amazing to see these guys still doing it. Uh, the question mark now for me moving forward just in the next month is will Federer play the U.S. Open? I think Rafa will be primed. You know, he's got a few weeks here to be ready. He took the break. He, he said he needed, didn't play Wimbledon. I wish he had. Uh, but again, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. And then Djokovic, how will he recover? It's shaping up to be a very, very interesting next couple months in pro tennis. Hope you enjoyed this version of Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.